Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. On the 1st of May, seven people died and more than three dozen others were injured in an Illinois pileup in Montgomery County that involved 72 vehicles on Interstate 55. It was the result of a sudden dust storm that created zero visibility conditions on the roadway. Dust storms aren't new, but what are the conditions that led to them and which ones coalesced in the storm that made the I-55 so treacherous and lethal earlier this month? Ed Schumann is a warning coordination meteorologist with the National Weather Service in central Illinois, and he joins us to give some insight into those questions. Ed, welcome to the program. Hi, Elaine. Thanks for having me on. The Illinois State Police are currently investigating what exactly led to the May 1st crash. But so far, what is it that we do know about the conditions that led to such low visibility on I-55? Uh, we had a unique combination of conditions where we had a below-normal precipitation April that caused the surface soils to be abnormally dry as we headed into the period where farmers work over the field, get them tilled and prepared for planting, followed by an extremely uh, windy day, uh, several windy days actually, May 1st and May 2nd, that caused that dust to be picked up. So it was just a unique sequence of conditions developed that caused us to be able to get this dust storm. Mm-hmm. And how common, Ed, are conditions like this? In central Illinois, they are not very common. We usually have plenty of moisture in April. The ground has enough moisture that when farmers are working the fields over, we can have, you know, very windy days and, and no dust gets picked up, um, you know, or if it does get picked up, it doesn't get picked up to the level that we saw on May 1st. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've only had three, you know, significant events like this in the past 50 years that we've documented here at Central Illinois Weather Service. Mm-hmm. And insofar as what farmers are planting and when, I mean, what are the agencies that you know, typically you know, would or perhaps the ones that should have information about that? Um, you know, we can put out information that conditions are coming together where we could get dust storms developing, and we can issue that to the emergency management communities who can there, therefore project that forward and, and kind of the media outlets as well. Um, anytime we issue in, information about you know, potentially hazardous weather conditions, we rely on the media and, and uh, social media as well, especially nowadays. Social media is becoming one, one of our sounding boards where a lot of people are monitoring changes or new information that is important for the public. Mm -hmm. And as far as the agencies are concerned, so I'm seeing like NWS and Illinois Department of Transportation, state police, and then they also then do work with farmers if there is a situation in which it looks like something is going to happen? Right, yeah, we we can leverage the Illinois Department of Transportation and and the state police as well because they're the ones that are you know going to be responding to some of these conditions as well. Um, farming communities, you know, what 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 uh, 
radio stations they listen to, what news sources that the farming community listen to. We need to leverage those, uh, you know, from from a standpoint, uh, you know, to get that information into their hands so they can react and respond to potential conditions that could develop like this. Mm-hmm. And what systems are you interested in seeing put in place that would make for you know, an earlier warning that a dust storm is about to happen and to facilitate that communication that you are talking about? Um, you know, our, our primary tool is, is the weather radio and the emergency alert system. Um, that is an immediate, you know, like sounding board and, you know, people are carrying their own warning sirens, in, in, so to speak, with the wireless emergency alerts on their phones. I mean, their phone basically is a, you know, a warning siren. Right. And, and that's huge because everybody nowadays has that communication medium. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, don't necessarily have to be walking around with a weather radio. When there's significant severe weather or hazardous weather that can impact you, your phones will alert to those conditions. Um, and that's really vital, and we have to leverage that because people are busy. They're moving around. They're not always near a media source listening to a radio, watching TV. Right. Um, that is ha- has to be something that we continue to leverage and make sure that it's fully functioning at all times. Mm-hmm. And has this latest dust storm incident, and has it changed anything within your office? And are there some uh, takeaways that you've gleaned from what occurred Yes, yeah, we've, we've uh, gone through our database of tools that allow us to see this happening uh, using satellites. Um, satellites have different frequency channels that remove wavelength bands and, and look and see dust getting picked up. Um, so the different colorizations of the satellite images give us a clue that dust is getting picked up. It may be affecting visibility in certain areas, so we don't have to wait for you know, an IDOT message to come out that, you know, a, a roadway has been impacted by the dust. We can get ahead of that with satellite images and make sure that messaging can go out quicker, that conditions are developing and could become severe over a certain amount of time, and we could, you know, get out that messaging. Ed Shimon is a warning coordination meteorologist with the National Weather Service in central Illinois. Ed, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. According to a new study released last October in the journal Geophysical Research Letters, levels of windblown dust on the Great Plains have doubled over the past 20 years and have become more intense. The study suggests this owes to more frequent droughts in the region and an expansion of croplands. A result suggests a tipping point is approaching where the conditions of the 1930s could return, says Professor Gannett Haller, an atmospheric scientist at the University of Utah who led the study. Physical meteorologist Andrew Lambert was a graduate research assistant to Professor Haller when that paper was written. He told our producer Emily Woodbury that while dust storms are happening at an increased rate in the Great Plains, the Midwest has not experienced that same increase in the past couple decades. Statistically significant trends really popped out in the Great Plains. And I will say for dust concentration trends throughout the rest of the United States, there weren't uh, many regions with uh, definitely not with increasing trends, but also any trends that did exist weren't necessarily statistically significant as we found by our methodologies. 
Andrew added, however, that the amount of observation and data on dust storms in Middle America, including the Great Plains and the Midwest, are pretty sparse. He would like to see more resources put in to monitoring levels of dust in the regions between the coasts. You know, if you move to like the coastlines or or even the eastern United States, we have uh, a large, many networks with many stations and sites that make these sorts of observations like like dust concentration. And um, that's just not the same case for the Great Plains in the Midwest. So that's something I think could really be improved because these kinds of things do matter, which is uh, evidenced by the, the story you're referring to here. And I think I think it would be great if we really expanded some of the existing networks that we have and added more sites and more stations in these regions so we have a little bit more situational awareness. That's Andrew Lambert, who is now a physical meteorologist at the Naval Research Laboratory. To provide additional insight into this topic, I'm now joined by Daniel Tong, an associate professor of atmospheric science at George Mason University. Professor Tong, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you for having me, Annie. Now, a study you conducted that was published in March found that hundreds of people died between 2017, or I'm sorry, in between 2007 and 2017 in vehicle crashes due to dust storms. How many fatalities are we talking about here? Well, we are talking about 232 deaths mm-hmm. uh, in the 11 years of study period we studied. Basically, what we did is uh, we were back a little bit into the history, I was always puzzled by how many people were killed by dust storms. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the, the public information, we have about one death per year. However, if you look at the media report, uh, such as what happened uh, two weeks ago in Illinois, we can have multiple deaths just in a single accident or a crash. So I was puzzled by that uh, for a long time, and we set out to look at the problem what we did was to put the two data sets together. One is the storm events data sets collected by the National Weather Service. Mm-hmm. The other one is the Department of Transportation uh, data sets called FAS. Uh, it's, um, it's basically it's a police accident report. And we put the two data sets together. We did a cross-checking and remove duplications and come up with a new data set uh, that's really surprised us. Um, there are a few things um, that's really um, eye-opening for me. First, us, the deaths, the number of deaths was 20 times more than uh, we previously know. Right, so it was a matter of looking or comparing the, the right sets of information. Um, now, Professor, from what you have examined, can you give us a sense of what drivers experienced as they were making their way down Interstate 55 in Illinois a couple of weeks ago, as you've uh, mentioned? Yeah, I, I, I have never uh, drove into a dust storm myself, mm-hmm. and I wish uh, you don't have to be. But it's really dangerous uh, situation. Uh, the first is that's what dust storm came um, from almost nowhere. Uh, people were not aware of dust storm and as the risk associated with this, the risk, uh, with the weather phenomena. So people were sort of caught off guard. Right. And also at part of a highway, people drove very fast, right, 80 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. You have very little time to respond 
when something happened like a dust storm, the visibility was reduced to almost zero. And is it comparable at all to what drivers are facing when there are blizzard conditions? Yeah, it's very compatible in that um, in several ways. First, uh, the visibility is a problem. Second is people panic. Uh, it's sort of disorientated. Mm-hmm. They make mistakes. Third, which is more subtle, the dust storm will bring fine particles. And mm-hmm. those soil is going to um, be deposited on the surface of the road. It's going to change the traction of the road surface. So you will need a longer distance in order to break if you fail to recognize that, you're going to have an accident. Mm-hmm. So is it is it best then to break at that point? Or I mean, what are what are the things that people should do in that situation? Well, the Department of Transportation in some Western states, such as Arizona, have put out very nice public mes- messaging information such as um, pull aside, mm-hmm. stay alive. Basically, what you need to do is first you do not panic, right? You try to be aware of your surroundings, look at to the front, to the back, to the left and the right. And very important, you have to pull off from the paved fraction of the road. You just sit on a side. Mm-hmm. And you have to take, uh, turn off your taillight because in a low visibility situation, we all know that in the dark, you know, if you drive at light, you try to follow the tail light of the cars in front of you, right? And you don't want to do that uh, in a dust storm because you don't want to attract followers and they can hit you from behind. Mm-hmm. For the same reason, you have to put your foot off uh, from the brake because you want the light to be on either. Okay. So it's it's visibility and, and also about the, the traction component. Now, what do the data suggest about our experiencing an increase in windblown dust storms in the Midwest? Yeah, a few years ago, our team looked into the long-term trend of dust storms. We found there are 240% increase in just about 20 years. So that was very surprising to us, uh, too, um, because what has not been reported before. What happened in the Middle West uh, is a different situation. The long-term trend is pretty much driven by climate change. Mm -hmm. We found that uh, the long-term increase was strongly associated with the sea surface temperature increase over the North Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, a funny thing is a lot of things happen locally. Um, They have forces that is far away. This is the case for dust storms. What happened in the case of the Western United States is when the North Pacific Ocean warms, it's going to change the wind pattern coming to the Western United States. Mm. It's, that's a tidy connection there, which I'm not going to elaborate here. <laughs> but simply put it, you're going to have more northerly wind um, compared to a few decades ago. Compared to the southerly winds, the northerly winds are cooler and drier. It's going to bring less rainfall to the region. Mm-hmm. So if you build it up over years, what you're going to have is a drying trend for those states. And you are going to see lower soil moisture, more wildfires, and more dust storms. And really then dust storms can happen anywhere in the country because of, of those changes, correct? Yes, a dust storm 
by definition, is a weather phenomena that high winds pick up the soil particles and reduce the visibility to one kilometer, which is the standard by the World Meteorological Organization. The U.S. National Weather Service has a more stringent criterion for that, which is a quarter of a mile. So you will need three major factors to have a dust storm. First, you have high winds. Second, you will need the land not covered by vegetation Mm -hmm. or something else. And third uh, is the soils have to be dry. So when you have the three conditions met, you can have a dust storm anywhere, not just from the desert. Could happen in your farm, could happen in uh, uncovered uh, school playground construction site, even your backyard. No, I mean, that day um, I was at a, a baseball field and the the wind picked up the dust from there and blew it into like our, our mouths and into our faces. So it was, it was kind of horrifying to imagine what had happened on the I-55 um, earlier this month. Now, what do agencies in the Midwest need to know and prepare for in order to avoid crashes like the one that happened on I-55 in May? Yeah, there are things we have to do remotely or globally and things we can do locally. Mm-hmm. Globally, I think it's very important to mitigate uh, climate change because, as I explained earlier, there's tidal connections mm-hmm. that connect the oceans to the winds and to what happened in the local communities. So we need to pay attention to climate change. It's not just something far away f- uh, from us. It has an impact on our local communities. Locally, uh, we need to pay attention to what we do business. Uh, for example, how do we tear the farms? Mm. Right? How do we implement soil conservation measures? And how do we plant cover crops? So that's one thing we obviously need to do. Second is, I think uh, uh, your speaker alluded to earlier, is we need to improve early warning system. Mm-hmm. And we need to have better computer models, better satellite observations, uh, better in-situ observations that can help us to issue more effective warnings and to support decision-making. Because it's not a small deal to decide to close a highway for certain hours, right? right, right. And you have to have confidence in the early warning system. Mm-hmm. And in this last minute, um, what is it that we can learn from Western states? Well, I guess uh, one thing we learn is climate change is real and is coming to us. And also uh, because the dust storm has so many impacts. One thing we did not cover here is valley fever, which has killed thousands of people and mm-hmm. infected many more, many thousands more. And there are a array of impacts, such as impact on, on solar energy farms, uh, impact on animal health, impact on agricultural productivities. So what we need to do uh, is really to appreciate the risk uh, that dust storms brought to our communities and our economy. We talk a lot about wildfires, uh, rightly so, because they have a big impact on our economy. But another big elephant in the room is dust storms, and we rarely talk about it. As a result, (laughs) our public is undereducated about the risk associated with it. Daniel Tong is an associate professor of atmospheric science at George Mason University. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury.
Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.